Today is really like an intro. Today's kind of an intro to what the whole series is going to be. We're going to be talking about matters of the heart, and there's a whole bunch of matters of the heart listed in Scripture. There, we're going to be talking about a bitter heart. We're going to be talking about a joy-filled heart. We're going to be talking even about a broken heart and a heart of worship. There's a lot mentioned about your heart in Scripture. And so today's kind of the intro, just a little bit of a kickoff, and then stay with us this next several weeks um, because there's so much to know and hear there, and I don't want you to miss it. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. So grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. God, I thank you that in this room, despite all the obstacles and all the distractions and all the opportunities to miss what you have, Lord, I thank you that you're giving us the focus to hear what you would say. God, I thank you that today as people leave, they're going to leave with healed and healthy hearts as they set their eyes on you. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible is full of mentions of the heart. We're going to read a couple of scriptures here in a minute. But when I just pulled up how many times heart is mentioned in scripture, it's a whole bunch of times. It's actually mentioned over 803 times in scripture. There's a reference to your heart or heart. What's crazy about that is prayer is only mentioned over 500 times. Faith is only mentioned over 400 times. So we think about, man, I better have a prayer life. I better have my, you know, walk in faith. I better do all these kind of things. And those are things that we sort of measure and talk about in church. Uh, Talking about making sure your heart is healthy is probably one of those things we don't mention that much. But the scripture over 800 times is saying, hey, man, pay attention to your heart. Watch out your heart. Make sure your heart is right. Uh, Proverbs 4, verse 23. Many of us know this. In verse 23, it says, above all else. Because there's a lot of else's we can have in our life. Above all of them, it says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from your heart. Everything you do flows from your heart. So now it's not surprising to know that the Bible specifically talks so many times about your heart. Why? Because everything, your life flows from your heart. As a matter of fact, this Proverbs is called the Proverbs of pursuing wisdom, or your Bible might say how to seek wisdom. And so it's giving you all of these advices about how to get wisdom and how to find understanding and how to walk in success. But it, and then it gets to this part and it says, but above all of that, but above all the walking in wisdom and, and setting out for success and all, above all of that, Be somebody who guards your heart. Be careful with your heart. The word guard here, uh, just like any other kind of guarding, it means to disallow access. So we got to be a people who live in position where we're guarding our heart. We're saying to some things, hey, you don't have access to my heart. This situation that happened to me or this scenario or the way that people are talking about me or whatever this thing is that I've experienced, because I'm a person who guards my heart, I'm disallowing that to get on the inside of my heart. Are you with me today? We would see maybe like a soldier is somebody who guards something saying, hey, I've been positioned in this place to disallow access to what I'm guarding. Maybe in like a a paint place. Uh, I saw somebody threw stuff on the Mona Lisa the other day. Uh, They didn't have a very good guard disallowing somebody to vandalize, right? And so uh, in the NBA, you know, you're playing basketball and and they would say, uh, they would say, hey, look, uh, I'm, I'm on defense here. I'm disallowing you to get to the goal. I'm in this position of disallowing access. And the scripture is saying, we need to be these people who guard against, you've heard me mention a million times, and you're going to hear it a million more times. We just got new puppies, these little puppies we got in our house, and so we're trying to do all the right things. And and so uh, we got tick treatment on them, because I don't know if you've noticed, ticks are everywhere. I greeted a bunch of you on the way in. You're all full of ticks. I just didn't say anything. But you get the little thing in the box, and you got to give the dog, and it, and it says guards against, and it lists all the things that it guards against. 
because you want to guard against things. You want to disallow things. And the scripture is saying, we got to be careful. We got to live our lives in a way to live the way God created us to. We got to be these people who can guard against things that are trying to get in our heart. Why? Because the heart is where life begins and it's where life ends. We know that when there's a heartbeat, we say life has begun here. Amen. And there's a heartbeat here. And so we know life has begun here. And then we also know that when a heart stops beating, we then call something deceased, no longer living. And so everything we do flows from our heart. The other thing we need to know is I believe that lasting change comes from our heart. For, for change that's going to stick and that's going to make it and, and for something to really walk in its fullness, uh, we, we need to have that lasting change come from the heart. Because you can have all the information and it doesn't change the way you live. We all know a whole bunch of things. We need to eat better and exercise and drink more water and get more sleep. We know we have all the information, but until it gets in our heart and it becomes something that we live out of our heart, the information does us no good. It's the same thing in our life. We have access and we have things in our atmosphere that could help us be better. But unless it gets into our heart and we have an understanding of why those things matter, it doesn't change us. Can I tell you something? We have a treadmill in our house. It's in our atmosphere. I have access to it. But until I get a sick heart and decide to start running, until it gets in my heart and I say, hey, I want to be one of those weirdos who goes running for four and a half hours. All Justice friends are sending pictures of their feet to each other, missing toenails, black and blue, all this kind of stuff. They love it. It's in their heart, right? I'm not touching that treadmill until something like that happens in my heart. You know what I'm talking about? But it's in my house. I have access to it. And it's the same thing. You can come into church and you can have access to it and you can get the information of it and you can be around it. But if you don't allow it to get into your heart, can I get an amen? It's not going to bring lasting change. I wrote it down like this. You can know something and not believe it. You can know a whole bunch of stuff. You know, actually, that's what religion does. Religion teaches you the stories, religiosity, just, just the knowledge, but not the heart, not the relationship. Religion, it, it tells you the stories, it teaches you the behaviors, it tells you where to go and when to do it and do all the things. But if it never gets into your heart, then you never fully believe it. Are you with me today? Yeah. And so I believe that you can know of some things and not believe it, but true change comes when believing something to be true, believing something to be true is what causes change. You might have said it this way to somebody. You might have said it like this. You're having a conversation, you're doing a thing, and then all of a sudden you find a truth, you hear a truth, and it gets in your heart. You would say it like this. Oh, you're talking, blah, blah, blah. And then you go, oh, you're right. No, that's right. Yeah, you're right. And then what does it cause you to do? Change. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I didn't think of it that way. No, you're right. And change. Or it goes the other way. You're somebody who's like, eh, I'm not convinced. I don't know if I buy that. And therefore, you don't change. Because change comes when it gets down in our heart. Are you with me today? That's why we need to discover God just beyond Sunday morning experience. We need to be a people who say, okay, I heard the sermons and we listened to the worship songs and we did the kind of things. But God, now I need to let this thing marinate in me. I need to let this thing get deep down in my heart and marinate and, and settle in my heart and grow. Are you with me? Be something that gets in there and, and changes us beyond just experiencing a Sunday morning. Can I get an amen? 
David gives us this really cool, honest um, sort of conversation that he has with God. Uh, there's a word that uh, we would have used a lot with David. Uh, it would have been yadha. It's like confession. Uh, a terminology would be almost like a, a throwing up of how you feel to God. So when you read a lot of the Psalms or uh, you, you get into these things with David, there's sort of this roller coaster of the way that he even talks. But you got to look at like the, the rawness and realness of his heart. And so I love this in Psalm when he talks about his heart. Psalm 119, verse 112, he says, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes or your laws or your ways. I've set it on incline is what he's saying. He says forever to the very end. And then he takes us in another weird direction. He says, I hate the double minded, but I love your law. You got to remember these like just heartfelt. What's so great about David is he's just he's saying these things. So he's saying, I've set my heart. My, my desire is for my heart to be on incline to your ways and, and what you have for me. And he says, and I want that to last. I want it to be forever to the end. But then he goes, but I hate the double mindedness. But I love your laws. Like, I love your ways. And so he's just going in this roller coaster of honesty. And we'll get to it in a little bit. But I love that he says this. I want it to be forever to the end. He's saying, when I set my incline, my heart toward you, because heart matters and he gets it. He's saying, when I set that, I don't want this to be a New Year's resolution. I don't want to say, hey, God, I set it. It's the beginning of the year and I'm excited and I'm setting my heart toward you. And then it fades and falls off and I don't guard it. So he understood it's important to guard it. So I don't, I don't want to do the New Year's resolution thing. I want to be a person who sets my heart toward you and sets it toward heaven. Are you with me? Jess always makes fun of me because my grandpa was somebody who bought, um, he's a little pre-internet, he's passed away several years ago, um, but his way of like buying things and falling for things on Amazon was QVC. So he would buy from QVC, the home shopping network on TV. And so we'd come over and he'd be like, guys, come here. You got to see this thing. Look at this. And everybody like, what are you going to do with that, grandpa? What are you going to do with that? But now that's me. I'm that. She always said, you're your grandpa. Because I'll come home from the hardware store. Guys, look at this thing. She said, what are you going to do with that? How many guys in here have like bought something and used it twice? Oh, we got to have this. This is going to be good. Yeah. All the wives are nudging the husband. Don't do that. That's rude in church. But you bought something. You've used it twice. David is saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to incline my heart toward you. I'm going to say that. No, he's saying like, I want this to last forever to the end. Are you with me today? Incline my heart. I've said it. Um, I uh, just discovered uh, I have this little fishing boat, just a little aluminum kind of rowboat fishing boat uh, out at my in-laws house. I got this beautiful two acre pond and, uh, and it came with a much older little two horsepower, two stroke Johnson outboard motor just a little fishing boat motor. And uh, I just discovered that Johnson no longer makes motor motors. And so that two stroke old school motor is actually a little sought after. And so I found out that that motor is worth more money uh, than a brand new motor. And so I thought, gosh, since this thing's 25 years old, I might as well get rid of the old one and get into something new and reliable. So uh, getting rid of the old one and got a new one. And I'm, I was picking up the new one. And uh, at Drummond Marine here in Holland, they take you into the little warehouse area. And there's like this water area. And they show you how the motor works. And now you got to remember, I'm over here preaching a sermon talking about how you need to set your pitch toward heaven. And scripture's talking about, hey, like I'm setting my incline toward heaven. So the guy comes in, he says, all right, now here's one thing that's really important. You see on the back of this motor, uh, there's this pitch right here. And uh, depending on what you want to do and what kind of success you want to have, you really got to set the incline. 
And I'm like, tell me more of these analogies about incline. But he begins to tell me, like, yeah, you got these different settings here on the thing of the motor. And he's like, depending on what you have to face, he's like, you need to set it at a different setting and set your incline. Because based on how you support it, he said, and how you structure it is going to determine how you have success in the things that you're facing. And I'm here to tell you the same thing. You can set your pitch. You can set your incline. Dave said, I'm going to set my heart, my an incline toward heaven. But I'm here to tell you, you got to make sure you have some things in your heart that is supporting that incline. Can I get an amen? That's supporting that structure. And those things that I'm talking about, we got to be in God's word. We got to be a people that say, hey, God, I want this to be till the end, to the end. I, I want my incline to be set toward you forever to the end. But I got to be in your word. I got to know your ways. Can I get an amen today? I believe that these community groups, these summer socials that we're getting together, it's one of our ways that we're, we're supporting and we're setting our structure when it comes to setting our incline toward God. So we get in these and we do relationship with each other and we don't have isolation and we connect with each other. Hey, how you doing? You doing good? Is your support good? Are you able to handle the things that you're walking through? I believe that like our 180 recovery group that you're going to begin to hear so much more about over the next couple weeks. Man, as we're all struggling, everybody's got different addictions and bondages and things that are holding them back. We're going to say, hey, I need some support here. I want to set my heart toward the things of heaven, but I need people that can come around me and make sure I'm set and structured and stable for the things that I'm facing. Amen. I believe that you got to set your heart on an incline to be generous. It doesn't come natural. Say, I want to walk in generosity and God, I want to do this your way. I'm going to set it. Another thing that we need to do is I believe that we need to set our incline in serving. It's summertime here in Michigan. And how many know hell doesn't, or the devil doesn't take the summer off? Hell doesn't say, hey, you know what? We're going to ease up on vertical in the community a little bit. It's summer. They got to go to the beach and camp. We're going to take it easy. No, all things keep going. We have to keep taking ground in our community. We have to keep being there for people. Are you with me? So we got to make sure we're still available to serve because if we're not careful, what ends up happening instead of setting our heart on an incline toward heaven, summer comes around and all of a sudden we've set our heart on recline. We're just doing what we want. We're kicking our feet up. And this community needs us. Can I get an amen today? I believe that the church has kind of done a bad job talking about the heart. Uh, if you've ever went to a youth camp, you know, you went to youth camp and it's the end of the service and the preacher gets up there and who wants to give their heart to the Lord? And so the kids flood the altar. And there's truth to this. I'm not saying anybody did anything ill. But the truth is, so you come up to the front. And you say, oh, I'm, I'm giving my heart to the Lord today. Or you might have even heard somebody say something like, I'm getting my heart right with the Lord. And so today I'm getting my heart right with the Lord. Or we've even said, we've asked Jesus to come into our heart. And it sounds like it's, it's a finality. It sounds like it's just over. Hey, I've given my heart to the Lord. I'm a Christian now. I'm set. But the reality is this heart thing is something we continually work on. I'm going to age myself a little bit here. But, uh, but you might remember several years ago, I, I grew up in a home that had one of these. Who knows uh, what the Ronco rotisserie grill oven is, the oven. Whoever heard of one of the Roncos? Okay, really, really great advertising structure. Bonus points if you can get this. Do you know what their, their, their slogan was? Ronco rotisserie oven. All you have to do is... Just set it and forget it. Oh my gosh, this is life changing. Like I grew up going to church, a million services in the morning. And, and uh, my son says, dad, how many services are we going to? So I, I said, two services. And he, and he says, two services. And I say, yeah, boy, I went to four services uphill both ways. You know, like I was trying to do that. Why do we got to go to two services? Because your parents, your grandparents made me go to four. Nana, Papa made me go to four. No. But set it and forget it. 
you hear these people talk, you got a Ronco? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, well, you know, on the way to church, we just, we just set it and forget it. And we've kind of taught that in church. This is what it's all about. The gospel comes down to this. Just give your heart to the Lord and set it and forget it. But that's not the reality. To walk with the Lord and walk in the fullness of his purposes and his design for our life, our heart is something we have to pay great attention to. Our heart is something that we have to, we have to guard and we have to manage and we have to take care of. There is no set it and forget it when it comes to our heart. That's why in Psalm 139, uh, I'm paraphrasing some of this, but uh, he's beginning to just say unto the Lord, search me, O God. He says, uh, you know my heart. He says, look in me and test me and see if there's anything in me. Why? Because it's important to pay attention to the conditions of your heart. Our reality is our heart isn't naturally on an incline toward the ways of God. The reality is our heart is on a decline to the things of the world. That's why your natural position, your default position is discouragement. Your default position is depression, anxiety, anger, bitterness, jealousy. That's why the scripture is teaching you got to take your heart. You got to pay attention to your heart and you got to make sure you set that incline on the things above. Why? Because your default will go back into those ugly things of the world. Our treadmill. I don't like to run, but when I do have to run, uh, I like to get it over with quickly. So I get on our treadmill and I turn the incline as up as high as I can. And I turn the speed up as high as I can. And then I run for like an hour and I get right off of there. No one believes me. Isaiah's not buying it. I don't do that. But I do know that our treadmill says this. When you're done on the treadmill, you need to return the incline back to default. It's not healthy for it to stay at this. But remember when I told you a couple weeks ago, we live in an upside down kingdom. We don't return to default. Our desire is to keep our heart set on incline toward the things of heaven. Can I get an amen? So we got to guard our heart. We got to pay attention to the conditions of our heart. It's the same thing in the natural world. You know that there's signs to watch out for. You ever hear a message on like a heart attack? Hey, pay attention to these signs. This might mean you're experiencing a heart attack. Uh, my dad had a bypass surgery, and you never would have known that on the inside there was things wrong. Uh, my dad, I would go over there in the summer or do other projects with him, and if you'd show up at his place in the summer, he'd be slinging 300 bales of hay up into the barn or doing all these other things. You would have never known anything was off. But on the inside things were off. And what I'm trying to say is religion tries to do the same thing to Christians. Oh, just, just look good on the outside. Go to church, say the things, do the stuff, just keep it all good on the outside. But on the inside, you're headed for a breakdown. You're headed for a fall. And so we got to be a people who pay attention to what's going on on the inside. I'll close with this. Um, verse 113 is so crazy. It's said like this, I hate double-minded. I love the honesty here. He said, I hate double-minded. It's not like, oh Lord, if you would help me to possibly not be. He's like, I hate it. I hate double-mindedness. He says, but I love your law. And so it's this, like, I hate it, but I still do it. But I also want to live the way that you've called me to. And the honesty is like, we, we, we live in the same arena. Like we're the same way. Double-mindedness works like this. We love to gossip. It feels so good to gossip though, right? We love gossiping. You hear something and you're like, oh man, I have got to call so-and-so. They're going to love to hear this. And so then you just start gossiping and gossiping and you tell the story and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe they told you that. And you gossip and you gossip. And all of a sudden later after you're done, you're like, 
I hate that I did that. Why did I just do that? I don't want to do, I hate that I'm double-minded this way because actually, God, I love your ways. And gossip is not your ways. Double-minded, why did I do that? We love to be negative. It feels so good to be negative, right? You come home. Some of you are looking at me like this is my confessional. <laughs> I'm talking about all of us. But, oh, negative. Gosh, uh, you feel so much better, right? If they're a hard day, you come home and you're just, rah, 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 why is this here? What were you doing? Why is that? What are you? Rah, rah, rah. And then oh, it feels so good to just be negative and get that out. That feels great. But then we hate that. Why did we do that? I don't want to create a negative atmosphere. I don't want a negative lunch room for all my other employees. Like, why would I create an atmosphere that's so negative like that? I hate that double-mindedness is what he's saying. Why would I do that? Because I love your ways, Lord. But I got to guard my heart because the natural default would be to get into some of these other ugly things. Why am I spending so much time on this negativity and this judgment and letting these things get in my heart this way? I hate that. God, I want to love your ways. I want to walk this way. What's really fun is judgment. Isn't it fun to judge people? Oh, it feels so good to judge people, right? You get back and you're like, oh my gosh, do you see their kids? Their kids are crazy. Yeah, I know. You know they get it from their dad. They're, like, yeah. They're judging. And you send a All of a sudden, you're later, you're like, why did I, I hate that? Why did I do that? Those are my friends. My kids are crazy too. Why would I do that? We, I hate this double-mindedness. Why would I talk? I don't want to be that way. I don't want to talk that way. Or when we overindulge, it feels so good to overindulge. To just go over, you're just like, oh, it's a hard week, and this is crazy, and oh my gosh, I'm just going to, whatever your overindulgence is, just go, oh, I'm just going to do it, and, just, and we do it, and, and then all of a sudden you've done it, and you're like, why did I do this? I hate this. Why would I get into this? Why, why would I let myself go look at that, and be a part of that, and consume that, and overindulge? Why, what, what am I doing? I hate this. God, I love your ways. Lord, help me in my heart. I hate this. You understand what I'm talking about? David's saying, Lord, help me, help me. But it comes down to the matter of we've got to make sure we're setting our heart on incline to the ways of God. They all have consequences. A bad example is uh, it's good in the time, feels good in the time, but you pay for it later. We try to eat pretty clean, and this is just a dumb example, but we eat pretty clean most of the time, but when we go out to eat, we like to eat pretty bad. You go out, get some good, bad food, and, uh, and you go out. And then even after coming home from a meal on a date night, you're already like, oh, we ate so bad. That was so bad. But our kids like to get pizza with the babysitters, so we'll usually order them pizza or whatever. So you get home, you already ate too much. You get home, you open the fridge, you're like, oh, there's leftover pizza. <laughs> I probably got a little room. You know, it's probably not, oh, I already ate so bad. But okay, I better eat one of these, two, two of these maybe, three. Gosh, there's only one left now. I can't leave just one. The kids will fight her over it. I better eat the fourth one. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, why did I do it? tasted so good in the moment. Then later you're like, oh, it's this, I hate this, this double-mindedness. Here's what happens with gossip. Here's why it's bad. Here's why, here's why we got to guard our hearts. Here's why we got to protect what we allow in because there's consequences. It feels good to gossip. Oh, I got to tell them that story. I can't believe that that happened. But then all of a sudden it's weird when you're in relationship with people and nobody trusts you. Why don't they trust me? Why doesn't anyone trust me? Why doesn't anyone share anything with me or go deep with me or share anything with me? It's because they know you gossip. So it felt so good in the moment to gossip, but your heart wasn't set on incline to the ways of God. And so now the consequence is like you can't go deep with people. Feels so good to be negative. Oh, it felt so good to just get all that out and say all the negativity. But then you can't figure out why people don't want to be around you. 
because you're negative and it's harsh all the time and it's so want want. Oh, it's like, oh, how come no one wants to be around? So it feels good in the moment, but you got to guard your heart because there's a negative on the other side of it. Judgment. Oh, I just felt so good to judge them. But the consequence of the other side of judgment is that when people are around you, they're just shut down and they're quiet and they don't act like themselves and they're shut in. Why? Because they're so worried that if they do anything, you're going to judge them. I don't understand why everybody I'm with is so boring and so down and so shut up. It's because they're worried you're going to judge them. There's consequence. Feels good in the moment, but we got to make sure our heart's right because we want to live in harmony with one another. Are you with me? Same thing with overindulgement. It's going to cost you more than you are willing to pay. And I'm not even talking about money. The consequences of being stuck and overindulging and going too far, it's going to cost more than you're willing. Are you with me? We've got to set our heart on incline toward God. And it helps us get out of this double-mindedness. And uh, the next couple weeks, I wish I could give you some more how-tos and helps right now, but that's what the next couple weeks are going to be. You're going to help us make sure that we're guarding, we're on defense, we're disallowing things in our heart. They're going to get us in that position where we're like, I hate this. Are you with me? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful, Lord, that um, your word says that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So God, whatever things are hindering us and holding our hearts down or have us trapped. Lord, I pray in this immediate moment, Lord, you just set us free. Lord, those maybe bitter places or negative places or judgmental places, whatever those places that we've allowed in our hearts, God, I pray that, Lord, you just expose them and uproot them and cast them away. God, I pray that you give us the eyes to see the conditions of our heart, the warning signs of heart trouble so that we can be the way you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.